We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network Game 7 Bucks Nets a.k.a. the They Fucking Did It podcast. I'm joined by Adam McGee of Winning Six, Rohan Kadi of the Eurostep. I'm Ty Windish of the Eurostep. Welcome to a rare, explicit episode of the pod. Feels pretty justified to me. One of the most joyful times I've ever gotten to ask this question. Adam, Rohan, how's it going? You can go first, Rohan. I am incredible. <laughs> I am doing... Just, I am above the moon right now. One, this series is finally over. I don't care what happens next. I don't even, even if they lost today, I would be like happy a little bit. A little relieved. Relieved is the word. There's been too much of this series. I'm looking for this series has reduced me to ash. (laughs) It has, but it's done. And not only is it done, they won. (laughs) I'm so happy. It may not sound like it, but that's a part one because it's really late. So I thank you all for persevering and listening to whatever words tried to come out of my mouth. But two, it's just like this game finished like a few minutes ago and I'm trying to recover because I don't think I've ever seen a game like it, certainly involving the books uh, where you're, you're feeling it from decided a coin we none of us are neutral parties and watching this game and that was an all-time game seven for the ages and the books i have no idea how i I don't even remember them winning four games in this series (laughs) at this point it's like really does someone need to go and check the score but somehow they went into brooklyn against kevin durant james harden and the referees yeah i was gonna say and mark davis yeah. yeah And they won. They won it. Like, this is this is incredible. We'll get into a lot of it, I'm sure. But this is the kind of measure of mental strength, of fortitude, that I just, I just didn't think this team had. It's let them down in the past to go in and get this game and to get it with how it played out. Like, that overtime, if we rolled out onto that court, <laughs> I, 
we might have been able to do a little bit more than some of those guys. They were all out on their feet. But the Bucks got over the line, and it's incredible. Another Chris Middleton game winner, by the way, after a rough start. So this game, I really do think it serves as a microcosm for the series. And it's like the Bucks have basically become playoff basketball cockroaches. Like nukes are raining from Kevin Durant's hands into Pfizer Forum, and they just keep surviving. Like that first half I thought was brutal. I don't even want to go into it too much. I didn't think they executed all that well. Brooklyn has been running on fumes. Milwaukee also running on fumes. But the Bucks were just down six at halftime. So I didn't feel great, but it's like it's the same as the series. I mean, after game two, I get we kind of gave up on them after game two, but they, they didn't lose any of the home games. They just stayed in it. They had some ugly wins at home, but they stayed in it. They stayed in it. They stayed in it. And if you're in the game, you can win the game. That's an obvious statement, but it bears repeating. All they've, they've, That's what they've done this whole series on a macro and micro level is like hang around, give yourself a shot, and they capitalized on the shot. I mean, not literally the Brooke Lopez possession with about two seconds on the shot clock late in the fourth quarter. Still, I'm going to have hives. A great all-around game from Brooke. Uh, incredible. Don't, incredible. Incredible. Incredible gaff there, but an incredible all-around game as well. Honestly, that's Brooks' legacy game. That's a game where, you know, I've been a whole lot of great book centers over the years beyond the obvious one, maybe followed by Bob Lanier, who they got at the tail end. Brooke. Is this a Jack Sigma oration? Right here? <laughs> uh, I, I think the time that Jack Sigma came in. Great center. I don't know if he's a great book center. Kent, Kent Benson, which is really can't believe what he's hearing right now. John Henson is out. <laughs> John Hansen's in our hearts. I don't, yes. I don't know if he's in the history books, but he's in our hearts. Brooke Lopez, though, has just carved out a very special place for himself. I mean, a lot more work to do to really make yeah. all of this memorable, but this was one hell of a game in spite of moments like that. And the thing with that shot, right, now that we've got past it and they have actually won, that's the books of it all, right? I mean, it. how could they win a game seven on the road without doing something like that to finish up regulation? It's just, it, it would be impossible. You can't win without going through a possession like that if you're the books. You can't just be the Milwaukee Bucks without doing that. Just <laughs> exactly. It's just, yeah, Brooke Lopez, absolutely phenomenal. And he did it in his house, which is yeah. also incredible as well. Uh, I saw some jokes floating around on Twitter, like most of the people in there didn't know he was their franchise leading scorer. So (laughs) he had to remind them. And it was like, it wasn't even that. It was done on the defensive end, mostly. Mostly. Just like that block is going to go down in history. And his hands in the passing lanes and stuff and just like stripping guys down low. Like it wasn't just on the defensive end. The block is the thing that you look at and it's okay, that's what Brooke does, although that's come up at the biggest moment. But it's it's the other defensive plays that you don't necessarily see from all the time. They were there tonight. Yeah, he brought it. I mean, this was the thing. I had this inner conflict throughout, and it, it resolved itself because he was just so good. But early, it's like he plays almost, I think, 37 seconds or something. He sits in the first quarter. And I actually put it as a, a Bucks negative, like they're they're hardly using Giannis at center. Those groups have been so successful, they're hardly using them. But as the game goes on, he's just playing way too well on both ends. And this was one where I think everyone and, and their brother who's covered the league in advance of this game has said, it's the weird, quirky things that can swing a game seven. 
The defense from Brooke Lopez, that's him rising to the occasion. Three for four from deep, that's him doing that, but also just one of those things that happens that can swing a game seven. So the rest of the Bucks end up hitting some shots, most of them at least. But Lopez from the opening tip was effective on offense, certainly effective on defense. Obviously, he was going to have some trouble containing Durant from time to time. That's just playing against KD. If I re- do, you guys had did you guys know how many points Durant had by the end of this game? By the way, I forty eight in like yeah. overtime, and I saw forty eight, and I was like, wow, like wow, that's like Giannis. Giannis has those moments where it's like, how do you get thirty? Durant has those, and he's got nearly fifty. I I thought he he had to work hard for those points for sure. Um, but Lopez dug it out. Honestly, I think what really impressed me about this game, and that I was going to feel a lot worse if they lost it, was until the very end. I think everybody except Chris and Drew was just phenomenal. Like it was so cool to see pretty much everybody who played. Forbes didn't really do anything. Didn't really wasn't really a factor in his five minutes. But that like, one Tenassus minute, that Tenassus was good. Tenassus did Tenassus stuff. Uh, Pat Connaughton hitting shots, just mm-hmm. doing everything he can. Brooke Lopez, we've talked about. PJ Tucker fouls out on, on one of the many many awful calls, but. Another guy who it's one of those where you can't rely on him hitting shots, three for five from deep. You need every single, literally, obviously, every single one of those points. Just felt like everybody showed up to play. Uh, it, Chris, and, Chris and Drew, it took a little while. Chris, I didn't think was as bad in the second half as Drew. until Like, Drew was awful until very, very late. Um, but I thought Chris was doing the right things, just not getting the right results all the time. But shouts to both of them for gritting through truly terrible starts to do just enough. Just enough. Just enough, indeed. That first half, like, just watching them struggle, I was like, it was weird because I felt like, oh, they're doing just god-awful, just playing, like, absolute shit. And they're still in it. Like, they're still in this game. But then the rational part of my brain, or irrational, I don't know how to describe it, was just like, what on earth is going on here? <laughs> like, is this how the Bucks' second and third best players are going to come out in a game seven? Like, do or die in the second round? Like, what what is going on here? Good thing is they picked it up as the game went on. It seemed like when the second half started, Chris just sort of locked him. He looked more focused, and he was like, okay, okay. It's game time. It took Drew a little bit longer. I don't know if he completely got there, but Chris for sure showed up because they only needed they needed one guy, yeah, one of those two to show up, and Chris did. Chris, I think to the point you were making, Ty, he wasn't scoring well throughout, but it felt like he was looking to make positive plays all the time, yeah, which was a key difference between how him and Drew were playing for a lot of the game. Drew was just out of it, and I think actively hurting the books. I'll be honest, I don't, it's not a secret if anyone saw my tweets throughout the game. I had written Drew off in this game. I had written Drew off in this series. So to then see what he did in kind of the final three, four minutes of regulation, where all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, Drew's got the hot hand, and they're, they're rolling with that, and he's scoring, and he's getting them right there. Now, obviously what happened from there, they didn't get them <laughs> over the line, and they had to go the extra five minutes, but... That is a really important moment, particularly now that the books are moving on, because that was the, you know, Drew Holiday is different. You know, that's that is what the trades made for, because he was terrible. He can't be as bad as he was for most of this game. But I'm sorry, Eric Bledsoe, to bring your name into this. <laughs> we didn't see that when it mattered most, that 
that Bled could have, you know, 43 terrible minutes and then, oh, it's turned on and I'm going to turn the whole game around. And yeah. it, in the end, that's what you make the trade for. Even though Drew might not be a superstar point guard, he is multiple levels up from Bledsoe and his floor still has room for those kind of moments to get you over the line. And that really told, like, this is a game where, as you said, every point counted, every minute counted. And the rotation, I mean, Forbes, like, I can't remember a whole lot of Forbes. Honestly, I I remember him being in for uh, the final possession, which we won't take too much about that. But I don't remember a whole lot of Forbes in terms of really doing anything. He didn't take any shots. He put up a classic Tony Snell line. And it was really a six-man rotation. And to do that and get this game from Pat today is just colossal. And it's you look true. I mean, I, I was really impressed with how most of these guys wore their minutes. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about Giannis. It's not a new discussion, but I think we're right there. We're going to have to talk about it because we're going to be talking about it for at least one more series too. But for the most part, I think guys held up really well. Like, Brooke, for example, 33 years old, history of major foot and back injuries. He's out there playing 46 minutes and he's like getting up to make a really big block in overtime. Pretty crazy. So I think all around just just this was really, really special. Yeah, they showed their toughness. They showed their mentality. They Mm -hmm. showed everything that they had talked the talk about previously throughout this entire season, especially throughout the playoffs. P.J. Tucker just kept saying, oh, we're dogs. Bobby Portis, he didn't play again. We'll get into that. Uh, he's been talking about that as well. It's just like these guys add something, and they showed that today. They Did, showed did you see – sorry, just on Bobby because you said that. Did, did either of you see the moment where it was very clear you could read his lips or Giannis was talking to Bobby Portis at the end of the game? Mike was close enough, too, to hear. Wait, I missed that. What did he say? Yeah, I we, we need you. It's it was basically like you're up next. We need you now. Yeah. Like, and it, it is. I, I I don't honestly have a problem, particularly now. Um, problems that I might have had, you know, <laughs> definitely slide down a few pegs. Bobby Portis not playing, I think ultimately it just about worked out. Uh, certainly they could have used it a little bit more offense at times, but how it would have played it defensively. You know what? The good thing is that doesn't matter now. They will need him going forward though. Yeah, agreed. One last quick note on Chris, or two actually, on Chris and Drew. Just They do combine for 14 assists. I believe Drew had eight and Chris had six. Chris Middleton, the last two games, two must-win Bucks games, 10 total steals, five apiece. Like, I, Chris was getting cooked a little bit by KD. Again, it's KD. Um, and Chris it wasn't even that bad, though. KD was getting to the to the to his left on on Chris. I mean that's what it it was happening. But it wasn't was, game was one, game two. No, that, yeah. that, like, and, and, Brooke, it, and Brooke was cleaning up. Is the yeah, other. like they were if they had to funnel him one way, he yeah. was funneling him towards Brooke. Exactly. They were sort but, of playing like the Bledsoe Harden defense on Kevin Durant there at the end. Yeah, I mean there's not much resistance. Oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Ten steals across the last two games. Two Bucks must win contests. He was there. The shooting number is not pretty tonight, but. Come at me with your Chris Middleton slander, everyone. Come at me. 51 minutes, 21 seconds. 52 minutes, 21 seconds for Chris Middleton. Nearly as much as KD, who basically played the whole thing. He did play the entire thing. 
Oh my god, that's that's nuts. He is. He is. Can I just say he is the best player in the world? I know this is yes, what Giannis absolutely. has been saying. People, you know, he is the best player in the world. It's, yeah, it, it is it's not, not close. close. It's not close. Yeah, not he had close. no help. He had no and help in this game. It, uh, the officials, the officials were there. Well, yeah, they they gave a help. They gave Harden more of a helping hand than him. Well, but yes, all around, you know, helping Harden helps Durant. So yeah, yeah. it all it's, it all works out. The Nets hierarchy but, is KD, Mark Davis, Harden, Blake, and it goes from there. The the thing I kept thinking about is you go back to the conference finals, the last time the books were there. It's nice to be able to say that. <laughs> and you Take think that, about Philly. How- Get there one time. <laughs> <laughs> You think about how Kawhi played and how good he was in that series and how good he was to bring them to a championship. It just doesn't hold a torch to what KD was. It just does not, not in the same realm. So for the books to actually have come true this series, I know Kyrie's injury. I know Harden was hobbled, but once Harden was back, you know, they never had to do the thing that I thought, which was, I want to see KD go on his own. And I do think it's important for him not to go on his own, just to have one of those guys out there. But in terms of what he actually had to put up, in terms of what he had to carry, he was on his own. And he he is just as good as anyone. I don't I've never seen anyone else make the shots he can make. It's just, just incredible. Yeah. And just to your point about him going on his own, to just this is just a general NBA discourse thing. He he can do it. He he's proven that he can do it in this series. Like this well, is an anomaly in a sense because the Nets roster was just well, th- the roster wasn't really necessarily built to do this because they were built to have three stars. And, like, if you're going to have one star, you need, like, at least, like, a semi-competent supporting cast. And because they have two other stars who weren't really playing, they can't do that. So that's it's yeah. just semantics at that point. But Kevin Durant, he, he's, he's the best player in the world. It's, it's not close. He instills a fear that I don't <laughs> think LeBron comes to. It, like, not, it's not even close. Like if it's a two point game, point, like it was in his career, at this point in LeBron's career. No, uh, yes. I'm I'm with Rowan Ty. I'm with Rowan. I, I even there is something there's something just so different about his game. It, it's one, it's the fact that he's a jump shooter. Two, it's his size. So he he's gonna get whatever shot he wants. You just there is not a way where you're just gonna deny him his shot. And if he gets any look, he's gonna make it. It's it's like does he ever miss? Except for one, which missed everything, and I'm <laughs> eternally grateful for Kevin Durant. But that is the thing. It's like you look and it's like, okay, we've got 15 seconds left. It's a two point game. <laughs> doesn't matter. You know, two point lead doesn't matter. He's just going to score. It's just a matter of whether he's going to score a two or he's going to score a three. And luckily, he put his foot in the line. Yeah. But that is, that's something that I just, I have never seen, never seen another player. LeBron is incredible. Um, LeBron, if if you're going kind of all-time rankings, I can't believe I'm having this kind of conversation. What is this first take? Um, <laughs> LeBron, LeBron doesn't need me to make the case for for his place in the game, but I do think just in terms of, as Rowan said, just striking fear to your heart as what he can do to you, what he is as a score. KD is pretty much unparalleled, and I always respected him, always feared him, but my. God, up close those, it's different. Oh, close, new different. new levels of respect coming out of this series, and you know, let's hope that just the books never have to see him again. If we can, if we can arrange that in some way, that I mean, be great. he's 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 gonna be in the East. Well, the Bucks uh, beat him. Let's yeah, focus that's what on I was that. Gonna say. The Bucks they beat got him. Exactly. That's they the got thing. past Kevin Durant. Yeah. That's good. I mean, again, they didn't have Kyrie. Uh, Harden was hobbled, but still, it's they still got Kevin past. Durant. 
Yeah. They got past Kevin Durant. I don't Shout know out. what's going to happen from here on out, but that that is incredible. Shout out to the guy tasked with covering him, man. P.J. Tucker, 11 points, 4 for 9 shooting, 3 for 5 from deep. He basically said post-game 6, like, don't expect offense from me, man. Guarding him is what it is. You get what you get. And I was like, you know what? I've been harping on him to score a bit, and he did. But I was like, you know, fair, fair. If that's your take, I'm not going to argue with you, man. You're there doing it. It's not for me to debate. But four offensive rebounds for P.J., three steals, two blocks. I really do think he does foul out on a terrible off-ball foul because uh, Blake Griffin's an instigator who never gets called for instigating. But I really and do think – And they got past Blake Griffin. He can instigate in Cancun now. Yeah, you know, he probably will instigate. I don't think anyone is fond of him anywhere. I, on he, vacation, he's gone to like, like oh. the comedy store or something. Now this oh, is God. It's it's off season mode. He's definitely he's that guy. Anyway. He's definitely that guy who's blaming like the move to Detroit for why his comedy career didn't take off. And I don't think that's the reason, Blake. But I think PJ Tucker. You're not going to be able to to you know clamp Durant. But if you can force some turnovers, I do, I do think that's a way to just swing the balance. And between four offensive rebounds and five stocks, combined steals and blocks, like just more possessions. The Bucs always needed more possessions to win this game. Overtime was getting a little tense when they gave up a bunch of offensive rebounds, but the defense just kept holding. And the a little, legs a little tense. Like. A little tense. It was slightly tense. I couldn't believe this game, man. This whole game was this just whole series, but really this whole this whole game especially. I, you could tell from the jump, except for Giannis checking out for Thanasis with seven. I know it was to steal rest. What a ridiculous move it was, though, for ten seconds or whatever it was. But from the jump, you could just feel it in the in the atmosphere watching the game. Like the, everyone knew this was a game seven. I still kind of can't believe the Bucs won a game seven in Brooklyn with the oh, stakes and the circumstances. It's a blur to me right now. What they yeah. were. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. I was fully expecting them to lose that game, by the way. I didn't fully. feel good at halftime. I started to feel good in the fourth quarter 
when Katie hit the shot, at first I thought it was over. I didn't think it if, – if anyone was going to know where the line was, you imagine it would be Katie. I was shocked. I thought it was probably going to be over then. And then OT when they're down two and they give up all – the offensive rebounds really had me in my feelings. That one possession like, where they had – I was like, they need to that, they need to win on the boards, man. That's one of the – it's with Brooke and Giannis out there, they have to. But, again, cockroaches, they did just enough. They survived. Well, and the Nets just couldn't do anything. And that's no. a credit to the books, too. Yeah. One, in terms of what they were finding to just play some defense, but two, just how attritional the series was and just how tired Durant was. And there's all sorts of, you know, factors and um, different kind of things that have cropped up, injuries throughout the series that played into that. But when it came down to it, you know, the books had worn them out and they made life really difficult. You know, that's something I, I saw a few different people tweet around halftime, which is, you know, for as terrible as the books offense looks, the nets are having to work much, much harder for their shots. And that was really, I think part of the key of the series overall, the books defense held up. It, that's, that's why they're here. It held up. It was not perfect by any means. I do think, at this point, and maybe this is the ultimate series to teach everyone, um, fans, but also the players, you know, the perfect series does not exist, you know, against the, against the best teams. Sure. It can exist against like <laughs> the Pistons, right. Uh, you know? Other lowly teams, such as the Miami heat, as Miami well. heat. That was pretty yeah. good. That was five years ago, by the way. I, I other, honestly other don't Pistons remember level any teams. of that series. How to get some slam. <laughs> That's gone. Yeah. The heat of being on vacation for so long now that nobody remembers them. What do you I don't mean, even know yeah, who I couldn't name in the five gym at five a.m. every day. They're no stupidly locked in to the off season right now. Rohan, we need to talk about someone we haven't talked about yet. I feel like we always come to the same conclusion. Tell me. Okay, let's do it. The Pat? No, Giannis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every podcast we go, oh, we haven't talked about Giannis. We always talk about everyone else first. Okay, Giannis. Yeah. In a game seven, do or die on the road, second round. Legacy, a little bit in the back, not even a little bit, just like it's unfair to say, but it was in the balance. So he comes out with 40 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, a block, and just, just absolutely dominated. Absolutely dominated. He matched KD as much as pos- you possibly can do, given Kevin Durant did win the individual battle in terms of like scoring and just overall presence for the team, I can say. But Giannis was not far behind. He was not far behind at all. He showed that he is indeed worthy of the two-time MVP title. He showed that he is indeed one of the best players in the league. He showed that he is worthy of his titles. He is worthy of being there in the biggest moments. He's not going to collapse. He's not going to be taken out for offensive possessions at the end of close games or anything like that, making offensive defensive substitutions. Yeah, Ben. He's going to be there. He's going to be there at the end. He's going to be making the plays. He is going to be doing that because he is Giannis Adetokounmpo. The buckets he was getting in the second and third quarters, just kept them alive. Like, you look at the box score at the end of the game, it's a great game, everything else. But, like, watching that game, it felt way more impactful than it looks on the score sheet. Like, they had nothing going consistently for so long. Like, Brooke was knocking down shots, Pat was knocking down shots, but that's not, like, 
consistent, reliable offense. Like the ball finds their way to those guys and they hit shots. That's great. You need that. Again, you need every single point. The role players showing up was very much the difference in this game. But that's not like you're not running plays to get those results. Those results are just kind of happening by and large. The only reliable offense they had for like three quarters was Giannis. That was it. It was Giannis going, cooking, getting to the foul line. Eight for 14, felt like 99 for 100 after how the game started. Uh, he pulled it back a little bit. Uh, the Brooklyn counting really helps. Fiserv, maybe start counting. Get the uh, counting loud. It's it's the quiet that, counting. Uh, it's the problem. Loud counting. He, he loves 12. He loves 12. Yeah, he really does. But he he seemed like a Nikaias Duncan. Great follow on Twitter. If you if you have no idea who he is, just go find him at Nikaias NBA. He was pointing out during the game that he is like slightly tweaking his routine in the middle of games, especially during this game, and it worked out for the better. <laughs> he just started hitting free throw after free throw after free throw. Given he did airball a few, like that's fine. I even called those as they were happening. Like before, I was like, he's going to airball one of these two. Oh. And then he does. And then he did it again. But whatever. It's fine. He still shot eight of 14 from the free throw line, which again, isn't like amazing. Well, he, was, he, was he one for four to start? Yes. Or worse? It felt. It may have been worse. He may have missed, missed a couple after that. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with him actually fighting through and finishing just above 50%, which is not some sort of golden mark that we want to encourage, but where this started from, it's great. Yeah. If we want to track back, like, where do Giannis's, you know, real playoff free throws come from? They come from the Raptors series. And they came from the first series where he was really pushed, you know, deep pushed for long long stints playing tons of minutes and he gassed and when he gasses his free throws you know not good to begin with worse now i think just at a baseline level than they were then it just crumbles and that one of the air balls i was gonna say that air ball as if there's only one of them but one of them it may have been the last of them i think was the worst free throw I've ever seen Giannis hit. It was short by about a foot and a half, and it was even a little right. And it was the most tired I've ever seen him. Ever seen him. He was like full head down. Like, I thought he was going to just get down and take a knee to try and recover. Like, he was so exhausted between those two free throws. This is not something new. We've seen it before. It's been part of his playoff downfall. It's been part of just, you know, the nuance. Although it's not even nuance. It's just the fact that no one pays attention to the books, really, that it becomes something that you could you could even make the claim is, is nuance. He struggles, whether it's conditioning. I think that oversimplifies it. Like the weird bit in commentary where, where Marv is like, I think he must be ill. It's like, I don't want to speculate, but I think he must be ill. It's like Marv was on one, but that's he was. Marv. There was there was some pretty did he make incredible the property. Moments. Did he say the property thing? Or was that he did what? when Durant and uh Giannis got tied up, somebody was like, That's a lot of property in danger or something. It's just like, oh, oh yeah, that, that was that was Marv. Yeah, that was Marv. Yeah, that's, uh, he also said like on a Chris Middleton like turnaround mid-ranger when Jim. he was like <laughs> like just like clearly inside the arc he was like oh he had one foot on the line it's not a three like he if anything his back heel hit the yeah. front of the line <laughs> did he call him jim a... at one point call who jim i, I wouldn't put a past him 
There was also Jim Middleton at me. I didn't know what the hell it was. Oh, James, I guess his name. I don't know. There was a play late in the game where we like the camera cut to the ref at the scorer's table confirming a play. And then it went back to Marv and he's like, yeah, it looks like, but we still haven't received official confirmation (laughs) of the play. I was like, oh, enjoy retirement, Marv, after this season. Yeah. (laughs) You've earned it. It's well deserved. (laughs) Much needed. Yeah. But to, to back back to the point of yeah, you know, yeah, oh yeah. maybe Yanos is ill. Just look at how he plays. Look at how hard he plays, yeah. and look at how much he's doing on both ends. Like PJ's answer post game six about you know his offense when guarding Durant. That's why Yanos doesn't guard Durant because yeah. it's hard enough for him as he is without being like oh yeah take take KD too, and that's not something that's all that unusual among star players. As fun as it is, the idea of them going head to head. It's tough, you know? It's really, really tough. If Giannis had to guard KD, the Bucs don't win this series. And that's even if he did a good job of guarding KD and slowed them down a little because his offense would just suffer too much. And the Bucs don't have the fallback for that. But most importantly, Giannis was gassed for most of this game. And yet he played 50 minutes and he scored 40 points and the Bucs won. It felt like, like he figured some things out a little bit. He looked worse early almost. Like, I know he was very tired by the end, of course, but, like, he looked super gassed in the first half. Yes. I don't know if he was, like, finding ways to take plays off better or what he, it was. He, he finally he was. found his he, spots. That's what it is. He that found too. his spots, but there, there were a couple of plays where he did the LeBron thing where he doesn't yep. even appear in picture. You're like, is Giannis down? Is he down in the backcourt? Like, what's happening? He's like, no, I can't get up there. I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna hang back here and wait for defense. There were a Re- couple really, of really that. good transition defense, basically. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's a game changer. You know, we talk about him beating the wall for a couple of years and all that. Barrier, There's another barrier, wall too. Barrier. It's the barrier. The barrier. Okay. Well, yeah. the mental wall. No, no, the it's mental men- wall. mental barrier. Rohan doesn't like the W word. Nope. Come on, ex- explain. Bad memes. It's, it's yeah, it's just not a thing. It's it's the barrier. <laughs> okay, but we'll go with barrier. <laughs> Jesus, the books just won a game seven. And <laughs> you, you come on a podcast, you yeah. say wall, and I've been I've been doing this the whole cut, year. <laughs> cut the tension with a knife. I haven't been listening the whole year, right? <laughs> so Giannis has overcome he maybe he's overcome two. Barriers, barriers now yeah, yeah. and uh <laughs> the books will be all the better for it i'll just yes. you know let me pass it back to someone else <laughs> um just an incredible performance for be honest i mean defensively he still ends up inexplicably out of place a lot um somehow only recorded with one block it felt like his help defense was better than one block but uh brooke was there so often that maybe he was just getting uh, all of the statistical accomplish or statistical credit there but he brought it. I mean, this was like you mentioned, Rohan, ro- whether it was right or not to a lot of people, maybe everyone. I mean, I think to a certain extent, you're as a superstar, your legacy is on the line in every game seven. I mean, it's all these are the moments that make or break careers or at least that form up to make or break careers over time. And whether they had won or lost this game after bouncing back from free throw hell to start and carrying the bucks for so much of the middle of the game, like. Giannis's grade was going to be positive for me, regardless of the end result. Like he fought through some real stuff. I think that was maybe where the game felt like it was going the worst. I think the Nets are in the lead when Giannis is like 
starting one for four and the horrible air balls. It's just like, oh, God. I mean, if he's not even going to make the free throws, obviously they're going to hack him. And sometimes the officials will actually call those and they're not going to generate any points. And, oh, brother, this is going to get bad. And, you know, the worst expression on Buck's Twitter, but kind of a switch flipped a little bit for Giannis. And he just went into go mode. And I thought after that bad start, he just kept bringing it. And that's, again, it's the whole series, right? Survive and give yourself a shot. Giannis did that, I don't want to say single-handedly, but was carrying the load in a huge sense for a lot of this game. And then finally, Chris and then Drew were able to take them past the finish line here. Yeah, Drew had a solid uh, solid end of the fourth quarter. And that's, <laughs> that's it. about it. <laughs> should, we just have, should we have this conversation now? It was Two of 17, right, was what he was, and he finished five of 23. So three of six to finish. You know what? We'll take it. But I was looking. I, I, I hadn't been looking at box scores or anything. So obviously in the game, you know, you see what Giannis is on. You you yeah. got to start seeing what Chris was on as he started pouring points. I was like, just how bad is this? It feels really bad. Just how bad is it? I saw two of 17. Like that is that is all time bad. It's like, not great. The fact that they were down six at halftime with Chris and Drew both shooting two for 11 from the field in the first half still feels like one of the more inexplicable Bucks things of all time. Like, just a, again, this, this whole series has been drunk. This game was bender, absolutely wasted, but in a good way for Milwaukee, which is familiar to a lot of Wisconsinites. But I, it was so funny because you just go no, no, no every time Drew shoots. And like at this point in the series, basically from like once he missed literally one shot, I was in no, no, no mode. And then that run at the end goes. And it. I was at this point where it's just like, all right, we'll take it. Sure, sure. I guess keep shooting. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't like any of these shots, but you made one. We need them. Just go ahead and go for it, Drew. And, and I, I guess that's good that he kept shooting at the end of the day. Maybe if he shot a little less earlier and some were funneled elsewhere, it wouldn't have been like that. But but what matters is enough execution at the end and hopefully a little bit of positive momentum to take into the next series because certainly I think we all agree going to need a lot more than the Drew they got in this series if they're going to make the finals, much less achieve the ultimate goal. They need someone yes. to tell him, remind him, that he's not a jump shooter. That yeah, is not his game, like first and foremost. Of Isaac Newton. He's fighting it pretty well. You know, he fought it off just enough at the right time. And, you know, Isaac Newton is down right now. Whether he can make a comeback, I don't know. Maybe you have a better sense of Rowan. But I, can't I think it's advantage that. Drew right now. I just cannot believe I did that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Ty, you made a great point there. There is time for him to recover because this, so far has been his worst postseason of all time, and it's not even close. Ty, we've detailed a bunch of Drew Holiday postseasons and why this addition was meant to be so great and was great during the regular season. It's just it has not come through for the majority of the time in the postseason so far. At some point, right, he's got to come through. You've got to think so, especially because he's not going to have, like, an insane, insane assignment. Well, maybe. We'll see if Atlanta wins tomorrow night. When Atlanta wins. Rohan, we called this. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Excuse me. When Atlanta Come wins on. tomorrow night. Yeah. Seth Curry, Seth Curry does not have enough help for Philly to for Philly to pull this one out. But he really doesn't. 
Um, yeah, the if Trey the Hawks Young win, right? If the Hawks win, I don't know. I'm unhappy actually if the Hawks win. Yeah, I, I just well, okay. There's just two parts of that. I do want to talk about that part of it too. Um, oh Christ! No, first, first, first and foremost, right? You know, positive thing, and on the Hawks win side, I just had never given this any consideration because it involved the Bucks beating the Nets and the Hawks being the Sixers. If the Hawks win, the Bucks have home court advantage yeah. in the conference finals, um, which could be a very big deal. So, one, I mean, I think a lot of people might like the Hawks, although, I mean, who knows at this point, really? Who knows? I I don't, for one. The reason I would like to see the Sixers is because the Bucks have conquered one of the franchises that used to torment them in the 80s and I I couldn't stop thinking that as an amateur books historian throughout this game the idea of you know overcoming KD a player of that stature this is this is what great books teams in the past have had to do they've come up against Dr. J they've come up against Larry Bird and they just you know they couldn't get there or if they'd get by one they'd fall short at the feet of the other and it was largely the Sixers and the Celtics in that decade, but it was also the Nets. The Nets had their moments. You topple the Nets, now you've got the Sixers. Not only do you get the 80s if you get the Sixers, you get to go back to 2001. And, you know, the books The books could beat referees as well now. This is what we've learned. So I, I think it's time. I think but it's do time. we want to test it? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like time. they have time to recover. They have time. Would to the better. would the Bucks get the whistle if they played the Hawks, or would would the officials even show up to the games? Uh, I think the Bucks get the whistle, or would they well, just send like the the rookies and just focus? Because, I mean, the games would be on tape delay. But yeah, the, I'd, the I'd Bucks would get the whistle. ESPN Snapchat catch the Bucks game. You get four ten second bursts that'll sum it up. Um, I was, you know, what's funny? I've been in this freaking net series mode for so long. I was just about to say, let's not look ahead to the next series too early. Like, <laughs> it still feels like there's more to go. Safe tied, I've done it. I think that is like the somehow the KD. they're gonna come back and just like, <laughs> oh no, wait, there was a foul or something. Well, yeah, but, stay when, ready for game eight. When the whistle got called on the Lopez shove, I didn't realize what was happening. I was like, no way, no way. I, I somehow thought Brooke. Brooke didn't know what was happening either. Like it was just such a. It was honestly, it was a perfect moment to end the game. Well, one, the Bucks won. And two, it was like Mark Davis had to let everybody know who the star of this show was. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark did one more time. That was the encore right there. A shove with 0.3 seconds left and absolutely nothing to gain for anyone from it. Just had to let everyone know who the, the real star of the NBA is. I'm, I really i am so glad, actually, in retrospect, after seeing them win, that the whistle was this bad because the first half I was down bad about the Bucks. First quarter, some bad calls on Harden. Thought the Bucks. I mean, the drop kick in the Giannis's ankles was just terrible. They need to get rid of the drop kick three point fouls. They're so bad. It looks like kung fu fighting should be playing when Harden does that. But thought they were bad calls, but not egregious. And then you get, I think it was like, was it late third or early fourth quarter? I think it was early fourth, where things just really got out of hand, and like the Nets are just getting every contact, and Katie throws a ball up in the ceiling, and it's free throws and everything else, and. I think all of Bucks Twitter came together and they were like, we're not going to bash the Bucks anymore. We've done that enough. 
it's time to turn our animosity toward at NBA official. It wasn't even just Bucks Twitter, which is no, how it was, you know. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was everyone. Everyone could feel it. And I really do think it was like powerful. I mean, Kyrie Irving said that the Nets were going to unite the world. And I guess he was right. Even Reggie Miller was saying like, oh, this is a, or not, was it Reggie or Grant Hill on the call? It was Grant. Yeah, Reggie. Grant. Oh, why did Re- I say Reggie? Reggie's out of the game now. Yeah, yeah. why did I say Reggie? I think it's because some, I don't know. Grant Hill Grant is Hill. better than Grant. Reggie. Yes, yes, he's better. He's better. Yeah. I mean, but did Reg- Kyrie and the Nets unite yes. the flat part of the world? Is that what we? <laughs> that's a good one. That's a, that's a, that's yeah. a nice callback. No, I mean, they did because all of NBA Twitter was like, this is bad. Like, this was yeah, Grant Hill bad. on the call was saying, like, oh, I thought these were foul. I thought this was a foul. Like, he's like, oh, okay, this is yeah. this is something that's happening right now. Uh, that's, and a, do- that's the thing with a bad whistle, too, right? Because you often feel like it's a bad whistle, but you will. I mean, I, I don't just go, oh, it's a terrible whistle and I'm going to I'm going to get really annoyed with this. I'll feel it's a terrible whistle. I'll be like. Do other people feel like this is a terrible whistle yep. too? And not, I not like do all of the books follows. You know, do, is this is this outside of that? And it was overwhelmingly yes. I mean, there was just some bad officiating all around, but the books definitely early and late, yeah, um, got got the tough end of that. And I mean, to be expected. Oh yeah, and yet, yeah, what wasn't to be expected is they they actually fought through it. I, I think the extra bit of adversity, I think it steeled the team a little bit too. I, I think it makes it easier to come together through all this and just be like, we're not losing this. Like, we're not going to go out this way. I don't know. It probably doesn't matter at the end of the day. I'm not a sports psychologist, but that's what it felt like watching the game at least. Can either of you remember Harden actually getting fouled in this game? Uh, no. I thought Drew butt bumped him enough that it would would have like when he obviously you had to sell the contact to get it and it's hardened so he was going to sell the contact i thought there was enough contact to to call it a foul i mean it's a crappy foul in the playoffs but i thought it was enough like there was multiple fouls the one was a bruce brown was the screener and chris got sandwiched between where bruce brown bumps him like there was a couple i think pj might have been got him one of those two And you're just like it's the one what? PJ fouled out on, I believe. No, P- oh, the, no, the he fouled out his fifth foul. His fifth foul. His fifth foul. And and then you've other is like the first quarter where Durant literally throws the ball up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> that gets called on a a lot, PJ yeah. too. He did that a lot. Um, but the first one was like just literally throwing it up in the air. There wasn't even really contact, and he got the call. Uh yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Like I Thing that'll take Can't maybe what's it three days till the conference finals? It's gonna take until that for one the win to settle in, but two for you know how they won it and some of the things that they actually managed to to come true with this victory to just settle in and really be there. This is this is now a team, and I, I think it's interesting when you're talking about Giannis. Like Giannis is a prime example of he's earned respect. You know, he's earned respect to his peers. I want to wonder what CJ McCollum thinks. Um, folks like that, you know, I I think he's he's earned a lot of respect. I think he already had respect from the likes of KD, maybe not Harden, in many ways. But I do think there will be a new level for that because as much as he has his limitations, and everyone can see that, beating him in a playoff series, you know, isn't just a routine thing that you could show up and do. And he's getting better. He's getting better at finding ways through it. And that's still with a series that was 
very, very far from perfect with a lot of bad decisions, a lot of bad basketball and a lot of room for improvement. And if he's able to lead his team to victories in series while he's doing that, you know, getting over the hump is scary because getting through a series like this and what that does and how it will help him to refine things, how it kind of pumps up his confidence even further, that should just have the rest of the NBA terrified. Well, I mean, I just think it's so huge for the team to win this. A, the the level of competition, although, of course, the injuries did happen. But B, I mean, the, the stat everyone talks about coming in is no Bud team had won a series that wasn't four straight wins, which to an extent shows like a, a lack of overcoming anything. I mean, the most they overcame in a series win was Boston, where they get punched in the mouth once and then run off four wins because that team was a, an unorganized mess and Milwaukee was just better this is the first time they've won a series where they're looking at a player better than anyone on the team. And it's sure it's close, but I agree with you guys. KD is on another level. I, when you can do what he can do without any initiation, without any help, just you, that's, that's the top tier. That's, that's a, a one. Um, that's the first time they've beaten a player this good for sure. And the first time they've fought through an up and down series and came out ahead. And I do think, you know, for all the talk about frauds and everything else, this is a pattern throughout NBA history. Like teams that come together more organically, nobody goes and wins a title right away. I mean, Jordan lost how many years? LeBron had to go to a different city and still lost one more for good measure. Like it, you, you need to learn how to win series like this. It doesn't just happen. And two years ago, the Bucks played this series. And rosters and everything aside, they probably don't win because they're not ready for it. And the Nets are even proof of that because obviously you've got KDs being there, but then you take Kyrie out and you look down the roster and you don't just have guys who haven't won it. You have a lot of guys who haven't come close, like not even remotely close before. And for someone like Joe Harris, a really good player who's going to get a lot of reps one. at this, <laughs> you know, he hasn't been there before. And a player on the book side who isn't anything like him, but just, you know, came up, he made as many trees on four or less attempts. Pat Connaughton, he's tasted this a couple of times. It has not gone well. And... <laughs> like something I was most surprised, impressed and relieved by was how like, this is a game seven against the Nets on the road. And Pat is just stepping into shots. Like, yeah, this is, this is the moment that I'm here and I'm ready for it. And there's a big kind of, there's a sense of that all across the roster. That's like Chris rather than being like, Oh, it's game seven. I don't have it. And that's it. We're going to lose. No, you keep going, you keep going and you get there and you find something. And that is, Something that I, I think you're 100% right to highlight. Like the books look like a team who have been through this and lost mm-hmm. and lost multiple times and felt the pain of that and were able to draw upon some of that when it mattered most. That's just what makes it feel so much better. Ty, you and I talked about this on the post game six pod, but it's just like Chris and Giannis, they've been through it all. They have mm-hmm. absolutely been through it all, not just this group in general, but just Chris and Giannis on their own. They went, they came into what was it, a 12 win team? 12 wins, 12 win team. These two were fighting each other for minutes on a squad coached by Jason Kidd. And now they just beat Kevin Durant in the playoffs. Like, are you kidding me? You can't write a story better than that. I won't have your Larry Drew erasure in the story of Giannis and Chris's, (laughs) you know, beautiful budding, you know, It's so long ago, I forgot about Larry Drew. (laughs) Poor Larry Drew. Um, the Bucks ownership at the time forgot about him too. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's incredible. Giannis and Chris playing 102 combined minutes and beating KD and Harden like in Brooklyn in a game seven. It's just one of those things that no matter how the rest of the run goes and as bad as the Bucks looks, the fact on the whole, the fact that they're able to beat Brooklyn has to make you feel at least a little bit good about whoever's coming out of the other side of the bracket just because those teams, nobody's healthy anymore. That's just, especially this season, that's just the playoffs. Um, it's whoever can fight through and survive. And, and the Bucks prove they can do that against a truly great opponent. I, I like their chances against whoever comes out of the other series. But, you know, you never know how long the window's open. You never know what's going to happen from here. But this was just such a great series to have them win. Especially, I mean, we called it, I called it a sweep after game two. I mean, it seemed so over. And I think we talked about dogs and how some games that wasn't on display on the series as a whole, you have to admit it was because this was one I, I think about Zach Lowe all the time would write about how Dame Lillard's Blazers. What? Just as a sentence, I think about Zach Lowe all the time is incredible. <laughs> also true. But you I know, follow about- up with the next word of that sentence as quick as you can. And you left it for a moment and Ron and I were just, you know, completely taken out by it. <laughs> Welcome to um no, but I think about what I Zach love basketball. I think about what Zach Lowe said. Did you say Ty loves basketball? Yeah, yeah, it's hundred percent true. Um, but about Damon the Blazers after ironically Drew and and AD and the Pelicans destroyed them, and it was like it's one of those moments that like is going to define a, a team, a core. Like, can you come back from that or not? And it was very glowingly positive that they came back and they went to the conference finals the next year, and you know now. Didn't work out super well for them in the end, but still, like the the mental tenacity to like hang in as a group and come back together and do it, it's a similar thing. And like the Bucks took a haymaker in game two, and we were sick of it. And then game three wasn't that much better, although it was a win. And they came back and won the series. Like it's it's kind of the same thing, except much better because they didn't have to get swept to to get there. I'm not joking when I say I really don't remember the Bucks winning four games in this series. Yeah. Like it's just to think back on this series in its totality, it's really tough to comprehend that the Bucks have won more games than the Nets, <laughs> and that's incredible. And one thing I was thinking about because uh, it, it is very late, it was very late, and it was at a point and the adrenaline was gone that I knew I was going to be on this podcast, and I was like, okay. We're doing one of two types of podcasts tonight, and they're they're the ultimate extremes. And the place that I had got myself to a little bit before it looked like they were going to win, and then they didn't win, and then you're like, oh, they're going to lose, and then they actually won. Was they showed up for game seven? Yeah, and I, I was going to be happy enough with that. There would be gripes with that, there would be gripes on just Drew's awful performance. Chris being just too late to the party, some of Bud's decisions, you know, there would have been things that we would have talked about, but I still would have said they showed up, they found a way to stick in this game to give themselves a chance and to perform and to perform better than they have in a lot of other games. And you know what? Ultimately, it's the fact that they showed up in a game seven that won them the game. You know, it's the fact that you could be at that point and feel that way. So, you know, get yourself in that spot. And that's what the, the great teams do. They will get there. They will always be there. They're always there. And all it takes is just, you know, a slight mistake. And it's particularly interesting when you look at, you know, fan out and think of what the playoffs is like. You know, some players who've been here before, mostly though players who haven't. And even the players who have been here before, you're 
they're on, you know, inexperienced teams when it comes to this now. The Bucks, if they can do what they did in this game seven, if they can just show up and always be there, bring the energy. I think it took till the second half to really lock in, find that intensity to be the dogs that PJ Tucker is proclaiming them to be. But they did it. They found that and it got them over the line. And who knows where it could take them from here. I thought of a second Sylvester Stallone film that applied to this series during this game. So the first one was Rambo. It was just a very simple, they drew first blood thing with Pat. I made a terrible meme and tweeted it. It was not good, but that was a less good analogy. But the better one, they kind of reminded me of the first Rocky. The first I, Rocky I, movie. When you said the first one was Rambo, I was like, is Ty going to catch me off guard here with a non-Rocky Sylvester no, Stallone movie? Be, but you didn't disappoint. No, right. it's is be it Rocky. bad that I haven't seen Rocky? Uh-oh. Yeah, you should, you should go watch all of them. Well... We can talk after the pod on which It's best we don't watch. talk about Rocky films, Ty and I, on this podcast. Things are going so well. We're not talking about the quality of the film. The I mean, plot, <laughs> the plot, the actual, and not even the plot, the actual boxing scenes. Rocky, in the first movie, wins fights by letting people punch him in the face a lot and just not going down and then doing just enough to win. That was this game for the Bucks. Like, it was a Rocky Balboa here is my draw. Keep on connecting, but I've got just enough. And it was just. Do you have any great. concerns? Spoiler alert. This is a gen- Rowan, you can cover your ears if you don't want spoilers for like Rocky Five. That Rocky ultimately ends up like battling brain damage and, you know, struggling in fights on the street. Is that a concern for you? If this, every, if we to extend this analogy. Every core's window closes eventually. Right. It's, it is what it is. It's they're not going to be able to contend forever. So we're not in Rocky One though. Can. This is we're we're down. We are probably towards the midpoint. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Now you brought it to Rocky. I'm just thinking of some of the some of the places it goes, and I wonder how close we are to that. How far away? Let's and, let's save it for capturing Sullywood. <laughs> but the thing the thing is, how close were we to a lot of that today? You know. Tonight, you know, we're one shot away at a couple of junctures from this is this is a, an entirely different podcast. And one the, inch, not one shot. Yeah. One inch yeah one and, inch. and the future of this team being, you know, I think I don't even have to go into some of the things that we'd be talking about need to change, but I think there would be more beyond that. Yeah. And it would be the ultimate offseason of uncertainty. A lot of that could still come, but I think there is a part of that that had to be staved off and that they had to see something from their guys. And they did. And that that changes my perspective on a lot of things that I thought about the books a day ago, not a day ago, a few hours ago, compared to now. Like th- things are different. That they can get through a series like this is something that is important to note and will remain relevant for a number of years to come, whether you know we're actually closer to the end of their window or not. It's there's something to sell yourself on now. There's something to really buy into. I just think I just thinking of like Rick Carlisle's private jet like circling over Milwaukee and like they're getting score updates and it just flies away when when the final result comes. Like, I gotta wait at least another week or so. Um, no, I, I think yeah, it's it's so funny, right? That's the that's how much comes down to winning and losing in in a do or die playoff game is like you win and hey, maybe they go win a title and everything obviously is a lot different and good feelings. You lose this one game and 
we're talking about which one of the second options are we going to be able to trade and is it going to be Carlisle or a different coach and are we bringing in a new executive and what role players need to be moved? And again, like you said, we're not saying all of those conversations are completely off forever, but we do thankfully blissfully get to punt them out of mind for another week or so at least to see how another series goes. It is just funny how close to the brink they really were. And now it's like, Hey, you're eight more wins away from hosting that. What has it been? 50 years this year? Yep. 50. Exactly. 50 years. Bucks in 50. Nice round number. 50 years. How the boat do you feel like they're going to react on whatever it is? Wednesday? It's Wednesday, Tuesday. Um, I think it's Wednesday. I thought Wednesday is when it, like one side of this is obviously they're exhausted. They do have the advantage of 24 hours on whoever they're going to play. It remains to be seen whether they're home or away. But there is a different kind of adrenaline buzz, a different kind of confidence boost that they're going to take into this that I just don't think they've ever had before. Like they've never, they've never come through the close series is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you feel great coming back after losing the first game in a really ugly fashion to the Celtics rolling off the next four. But it's not this. It's not you were against Kevin Durant to James Harden and you came through on the road like in overtime. Just insane sentences to say out loud, by the way. <laughs> but I, I just, I'm curious to see how that carries into. Like, are they just going to be exhausted and with good reason? I don't know. I mean, the other series is also a seven game series. That certainly does not hurt. Yeah. But how the boat do you expect the books to look come game one? They probably come out with a different kind of aggression. I may be just wildly optimistic right now but they know that they just face the best player that they're going to have to go through in this mm. playoff run like that's undeniable they know that and we if we know that they know that right so they're going to come out saying like okay we just we just did that now let's go finish the job it could go the other way like oh now we can take it a little easy but it seemed like they were taking it easy at points in this series. So maybe they come out with a different kind of aggression into game one uh, against Atlanta at home. So <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Like they, they knew that they overcame like a massive obstacle and I think it'll show. I think it's going to be positive. I think, I think they're going to come out relatively strong. I mean, Whatever teams comes out of the other side of the bracket, it's like the Hawks would obviously feel great. The Sixers, it's like, well, we held off the team we had home court and were prohibitive favorites on. Go us, I guess. Um, the Bucks beat the Nets. They beat Kevin Durant, like we've said a million times. It's worth saying a million more times. I have to imagine, I mean, we look at all these things, of course, as you know, media far away from actually playing in the games of talking about what moves they have to make or whatever else the guys in the locker room, like they're just, they were in a war. Like, I don't think they were thinking about all these macro things. It doesn't seem like it from the way, from how resilient they are. That's for sure. And to win that series in that fashion and to overcome Durant and everything else, like you have to feel a different kind of energy than the Bucks have probably ever felt before. I mean, again, it's great to win four in a row. You feel good about it, but I mean, you watch the playoffs every year since like, you know, black and white basketball and, nobody is like sweeping through. You got to win hard series. You got to take punches, give punches, everything else. And the Bucks had never been able to do that. Now suddenly they have, and you go into the next series thinking 
we're going to have the best player from here on out. And we know how to win a series like this now. And we're just going to go out and win. Like, I think the all business attitude is going to be reflected. And I just think that plus this tremendous amount of confidence of like, we just went into Brooklyn and beat Kevin Durant. What does any, what is anyone else going to do if we go out there, execute, play defense, everything else that this team is built on? Like, I, I think I got to think that the team feels incredible right now. I mean, I'm sure they're exhausted now, of course. But until Wednesday, I think they're going to be ready to play, and I think it's going to be positive. There's no one to fear anymore. Yeah. It's that simple. There is not a team that they're going to come up against in the playoff that should cause them to fear. There's not a team that's going to challenge them matchup-wise in the way that the Nets did. And could it have been tougher if James Harden was fully healthy and Kyrie was fully healthy? Sure. But don't take away from the fact that the books had to go through a lot of those looks, a lot of those matchups throughout the series. I definitely think the injuries, I, I'm not going to say they helped the Nets, but they certainly, they unlocked something from KD that he would not have had the chance to do if Kyrie and James Harden were on the floor and fully healthy throughout. Like it, it was just, it's an unbelievably special win. It's the, the most special win of my time watching the books. They've been to a conference finals before, but they didn't get here by doing something like this. And there's no one to fear. You know, Hawks, Sixers, Suns, Clippers. There's, there's nothing to fear there. It's not like there isn't good teams left. But if you get to the conference finals, if you get to the NBA finals, you expect to play good teams. But I do think the best team, the scariest team in the playoffs, are now in the book's rearview window. And that is just phenomenal. They've now conquered two demons in the the first two rounds. They've conquered the Miami Heat, who they, you know, lost to last season. And now they've conquered their inability to be in a series. So now, like, what else is there for them to beat? Well, I can, I, can list, I can list out a couple of demons in waiting. One is the Sixers, because the Sixers are the major, the major historical demon. And if you conquered that one, you could have Kawhi Leonard waiting for you in the finals. It's, he's not, ruled, think, out. He's yeah. not ruled out. For the he's players. not ruled out. I, there's no. some weird stuff. I do not think so, but you could. The fact that Harden played as much as he did... Like I'm not ruling anybody out. I can't believe Dante is honestly out for the postseason at this point. Like, and I know injuries are different. I'm, I don't need everything. Well, my guy is in a massive boot, just like post surgery. Like James Harden missed like up. several weeks with hamstring stuff and came back and played like 48 minutes and 46 minutes in one game, 50 minutes in another game. It NBA insane. players are incredible. NBA players I, I are incredible. I tip my hat to James Harden, yeah. as One limited as he was. One of the performances. Like, the fact that he played all those minutes is absolutely insane. And uh, he had 22, 9, and 9 in this game. Like, obviously, it's not his best game. But, yeah, 53 minutes, 22, 9, and 9. Congratulations. You know, the rest yeah, may have helped you respect. out. But massive, massive respect. I mean, it's literally no, nobody outside of their starters scored. Harden was their second leading scorer. It's Blake at 17, Bruce Brown at 14, Joe Harris at 10. Like they very much needed whatever Harden could give them, which is, I mean, that's where you're, where you're at in the playoffs. He had, the to time, make, but. he had to make up for himself and Joe Harris. Joe Harris, one of, oh my God. Like, I don't know you if I've know seen a series for this, uh, for this series against Milwaukee. Are they in the 10s? Uh, 
No, it's not actually that bad. 34.7% from the field, 32.7% from deep. It feels way better than it actually. It feels really high. (laughs) In real time, it felt like 12-12 and probably nil. I mean, given that's near 20% variance from his regular season. I think the Nets should trade Joe Harris and maybe for someone. For someone different, someone maybe could be more of an impact maker, maybe dumb David DiVincenzo. How about, how about that? I think that would be good for the Nets and only the Nets. But maybe uh, things in Utah aren't great. Maybe the Bucks can find a different Bogdanovich. Oh, I thought you were going to go all the way, say Donovan. <laughs> oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, we have, we have one member of the Utah Jazz already saying he's happy for Giannis. Who? Maybe they can get Zanuck. It was Gobert. He actually tweeted that. Oh, God. A pass. Oh, really? Pass. Yeah. Gobert I, said, I'm, I'm happy yeah, for let's Giannis. Just, with the I'm fine with it, Ty. I'm fine with it. Any star star player uh, giving Giannis props. Oh, yeah. I, I was talking about tampering-wise. I'll pass. Oh, with Gobert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not interested. For sure. No, thanks. No, definitely um, not interested. Yeah, it's, Brooke is better. Um. I don't know if I have anything else. <laughs> in the playoffs? You're not wrong. He had 12 points against Nick Batum in 40 minutes. <laughs> 12 points against Nick Batum at center. You're not wrong. Rudy Gobert, great 82-game player. I'll take Brooke Lopez, man. Jazz fans are going to clip this. Go ahead. Rudy's in Cancun tweeting about Giannis, at least respectfully. But I would not want to swap the two. Yeah, I think it's funny that just all the international players love Giannis and all the U.S. Uh, players just absolutely hate Giannis' guts. Yeah, there's some stuff to be unpacked there that is maybe for no, another no. time and no, another no. podcast. Yeah, different time of day maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have the energy for this at the moment. But, you know, two of us are Americans who are very much fond of Giannis. So there's a lot of Americans who like Giannis too. I'm glad. Yeah, at least two. Probably got a lot of guys <laughs> in the box. Yeah. I mean, Not the Deer District is popping. I'm sure they all love Yana. The Deer District. Deer District. I don't, the Deer District, you know, big, big shout out because it has gone from something that is, you know, a little bit cheesy because it's been done everywhere else. I mean, it's been done one place, which better than others. But at the start, I was like, cheesy was really, I should have chosen a different term to describe uh, the Wisconsin franchises um, fan area. But at the start, I was like, yeah, cool. It's a place we can go. This feels very manufactured. It feels very artificial. It doesn't seem like... Now, when they cut to the deer, it's, it's like it's it's like Jurassic Park. Yeah. And that is that is the highest compliment. As much as I hate everything about the Toronto Raptors, Raptors fans, if you're listening, I hate you and your team. Jurassic Park is pretty cool. And... I, I do think that kind of fuels the team. I do think that has an impact, just that energy around the team. It was also cool, like uh, Bobby Portis, yes, who's not be playing the Instagram story where he's so in his car cool. and, you know, fans showing up and showing out, keep doing it, Bucks fans. If yeah. I could be there and do that, I would. But I will not be because every time I've gone there, they've lost. Yeah, so you okay, have to get well, in the building, Rohan. Ooh. Dear District, <laughs> no. In the building, yes. We, we need to get see. Jordan in the building. Jordan hasn't seen a losing books game live in like five years. The way maybe? you're phrasing <laughs> it, you're making it sound like you want him to see a losing books game. 
No, well, the way I was phrased, I was thinking more. It's like I'm making it sound like he's banned. Oh no, I get what you're we, need to, <laughs> yeah. we need to get him in the building, like under a jacket <laughs> or something. Uh, he can break out one of his disguises. But that's if, <laughs> if we're talking about people who I, I don't know the last time Jordan saw. Hey, I've never seen a book's yeah. loss. Um, I have seen Kendall Marshall tear his ACL and oh, end wow. his career. But I never saw books lost, so there could be catastrophic injuries. But the books would get the win. That's all I'm saying. They Pick it out. Good at surviving punches. Um, yeah, hope to see. Uh, hope to be out uh, Pfizer at the Deer District sometime in the Eastern Conference Finals, where the Bucks are back. Hope to see a lot of Bucks fans at at those places. The Ooh, Deer is that Ty saying he's coming down? I think so. The oh, shots of the Deer District during this game, like Adam said, just wall-to-wall people as far as you could see. It looks like like deep fake videos that Trump would have made for his inauguration. Like that's how legitimately packed it looked. It was wild. Going there. I don't oh, it's it's definitely late now. We're definitely <laughs> we're running deep into the podcast. Just thinking of crowd size things. Just thinking of crowd size. Plug there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't have anything else. That was my last thing. Um, go Bucks! That was incredible, and I can't wait to watch the rest of this playoff run. Okay, so uh, I would say give us predictions for the next game. Uh, we have no idea what the next game is going to be. Uh, they did win the game. So I ask you guys, what are your predictions for Hawks-Sixers Game 7, which is – is that Sunday? It's It's – 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow or yeah. so 7 so Central Sunday. or something sun- like that? Sunday is what to say because this will release yeah. Sunday. at midnight. But yeah. That's true, Ty. Um, it's already Sunday for me. So, yeah, you know. It's been Sunday for you. It's been Sunday for quite a while. It's on the Hawks. It's on the Hawks to come out and, you know, ask the question of the Sixers because I don't know if the Sixers have an answer. So if the Hawks can come out and you know put up a really good first half in the game seven, um, with Sixers fans just actively booing their own team, then when they're losing a game seven, <laughs> then the Hawks will win. That's one thing. If it is the Sixers, it's something to look forward to. Oh, hey, if you could get like a double-digit lead, the other team's fans will boo them, which is great. It's a really nice helping hand. I mean. Okay. Mets fans, there aren't that many of them. Enough shout out to fill up the arena. I was going to say, there, they, were so many, was there were so many Greek fans as well. Giannis yeah, there, about there that was a lot. Game. Greek fans have always showed up at Mets games. Tanasis bought out a section, right? Yes, or, he yeah. did. Yes, he did. Uh, which, Tanasis just incredible playoff run continues. Yeah. But I, I like, Thanasis did that. Like Giannis, you signed the contract. Yeah, I was like, that's like, like half of Thanasis' contract, man. Like, what the hell? No, that's that fast and furious money hits different. <laughs> there are, look, there's still opportunities. There are plenty of Greek fans in Philly and Atlanta. Yeah. I've I've All like the- there are two cities where, you know, Giannis and Thanasis have gone out after a game and, you know, been serenaded with the national anthem. So they could, you know, they might buy out all those arenas. <laughs> that would can you imagine? That would just be incredible. Just incredible. Based on what the splits are for especially Chris Middleton, home versus road, like, yeah. Go go. <laughs> and also, like, Thanasis, Yadis, if you're listening to this, like, can you just, can you hook us up? Like, if you're buying out sections? Like, <laughs> yeah, you can get a ton of a ton of Greek fans, and then, like, 
Ty and Rohan. Just squeeze us in. Yeah. Wow. Man, you wow. could definitely. You, I was going to say, fly out Adam too. My wow. <laughs> Ty just like well, throw me under the bus. Yeah. Come like, on, yeah, man. You know, bring me along. I don't know how much budget the Nasus has left. He's we're definitely. Talk, we're talking to Thanasis and Yas. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Get Adam, of course. And hire a private eye to find Jordan and let's get him going as well. I don't know why. Oh, I just I picture Jordan as a man of mystery. Everyone else does that, but you you do in fact know Jordan. You have seen Jordan. You speak yeah. to Jordan so regularly. The, so was the internet. Like we've posted videos. Yeah, he's now out there. So that's yeah. uh, it's also yeah. just like <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. What's going on? <laughs> It's time to finish this podcast, Ty. You said some stuff a few minutes ago. I was like, <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> nah, this this is Eurostep after dark. This is this is as close as we're gonna get for now. We'll say that. It's bright. <laughs> uh this is Adam, oh. this is what happens when you join the Eurostep Podcast Network. We, I think we, the we Hawks turn win. Into Central. Oh, oh yeah, still doing this. <laughs> I think the Hawks win. Uh Bucks in six against Atlanta, Bucks in five against Philly. I stand by it. I think I Atlanta's might just give a Sixers prediction if you said the Hawks. I'm not win. getting the falls on that. <laughs> well, because I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100 percent sure they're going to win. That's just what I think. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to okay. get it all out there. I mean, we'll do a preview pod, so I can say it. Yeah, anyway. for sure. I'm going to say. See, I don't want Philly to win because I don't want them to reach the conference finals like ever. Um, but it would also be sweet if they won, uh, and then the Bucks just absolutely demolished them. Like that, that would feel great. Uh, I'm going to say the Sixers win this. They have to. Do they? they? They, for them, yes. They absolutely have to. The Hawks, they like they can be happy making it this far in the first year of their run. The Sixers, this is like do or die. This is worse than the Bucks situation because I think the whole at thing least about the, the Bucks. Yeah, right. At least the Bucks would lose to Kevin Durant. the The Sixers would lose to Trey Young. Like that's I, I that's this, a lot of questions this, to be answered. The, and actually, Philly could get better if they lose because they'd finally break up Simmons and Embiid. Maybe they would. I think this whole Hawks thing is like they're not playing like a team that's happy to be there, and I think that's that's carried them this far. And I don't think they're going to leave that mentality before Game Seven. I don't think they leave that mentality before they play the Bucks. That's a dangerous team, man. They have a lot going for them. So and dangerous in the the way they play and the ways that teams can hurt the Bucks. You know, yeah. Um, they they have some tools for that. But what I will say is one interesting wrinkle: if that series does come to pass, it's kind of a reverse of the last time the Hawks were at the conference finals when Mike Budenholzer was coach, and they came up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they were just, they were rolled out of there. I noticed too well. You know, it's the reverse of that in terms of experience, in terms of the other team and the other players' time having come. I think just that wrinkle too, if that series comes about, that might be the most motivated Bud ever will be to play the Hawks in the conference finals. I don't think there was too much love lost there by the end. And that could be an interesting subplot too. Bud hey. Revenge series. I'm not prepared to even contemplate this. Yes. We're also not done with this podcast yet. We have some post-game quotes coming in here. PJ Tucker, that's probably the biggest one, saying, it means a lot to come to Milwaukee and beat the other two teams I was looking at going to. I love how he it like he was a free agent, but still a very cool quote. 
that is amazing. Well, I'm sure Houston was going to give him some sort of like, okay, where yeah, probably, yeah, this agent probably weighed in and said, I don't want to him jumping up and down like an excited child with glee when there was 0.3 seconds and the whole weird Brooke has to go out and shoot again thing. Yeah. Him just on the sideline, like that was incredible because as we all know, this is a guy who's been through it and trying to win titles and tried to get to these points. Uh, he's been through it with Harden mostly, but to actually break past and to win this series for him, given what he has to do with Durant, it's it's amazing. Can you imagine if PJ Tucker was on the Heat or the Nets and going up against the Bucks? That would be awful. It would not be fun. Heat the Heat with PJ is kind of a much harder, more gross matchup. I will say his just and I know he's a professional and everything else, but a thousand percent bought in for every game of this series. Like was really impressed because we've just seen too many players show up in Milwaukee and either they're just not able to do as advertised or they don't give the effort as advertised. It's looking at you, JJ Redick, but PJ was like all the way on board, 110% doing every single thing possible. You could just feel it. And like Milwaukee's the kind of place and Bucks fans are the kind of people who really appreciate that. So shout out PJ Tucker. Great quote. Yeah. Shout out Wanda Durant as well. Yes. So that was nice, a great moment. Nice, respectful. Very good moment. Pleasant. Yeah, that was cool. I love Wanda. She seems just like an absolute pleasure. The real MVP, some have said. The real MVP. Incredible. Also, fun stat. Giannis is the fifth player in NBA history to put up a 40.10 rebound game. The other uh, four players, Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, Charles Barkley, Tim Duncan, and now Giannis. Oh, wow. Didn't That's KD a good stat. Didn't KD just do it? Or is it nope, game seven? Had, no, he had nine rebounds. Like in the last game. No, was this it? isn't a game seven. Oh, it's in a game, game seven. seven. Oh, very cool stat. Yeah. That's shout out to uh, ESPN Stats and Info for giving me that nugget here. But yeah, this was this was absolutely incredible. Just, I'm so happy this is over. I'm just bro. Can we uh, can we finish now? It's six a.m. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I'm I trying need to, right now. I need to pull back the curtain. You're prolonging I, it. <laughs> I it didn't feel like you were trying. I got my second vaccine dose today. It's six a.m. I'm feeling rough. I'm trying. Bro, was like, I've got some stats. We didn't have this conversation. It's like we had an hour for stats. Come on, we'll have more time for stats. It, it just came on my timeline. Come on. You know, I'm clearing <laughs> out. I'm clearing trying. out. I'm making room for all. He's pulling Thank the Drew Holiday. He's pulling the Drew Holiday. Stop. Said, Get I'm back trying to wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this post-game episode of the Eurostep Podcast Network. Eurostep Win in Six crossover. Uh, just, yeah, thanks. Go Bucks. Bye.